0: Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Coming to you from nowhere, a suburb of parts unknown, join Stefan and Lance, the Misters of the Dark, as they review. All things horror with their latest victim. (laughs) I mean guest. (laughs) New episodes of Misters of the Dark drop Mondays on the Fearscape Media Network. Welcome everyone to this episode of Unsensitive, a show where we take a subject, talk with an expert, and break it down with questions that may be normally too impolite to ask. So I am your host, Ray Robinson, and today we are looking at a subject that has touched many people and for a variety of reasons they just don't like to talk about it that much, and that's addiction, specifically alcohol addiction. And joining us today in the hot seat to discuss this issue is alcohol reset coach Annabelle Stewart. Annabelle, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Ray. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you for coming on. And I got to ask right off the top here, what exactly is an alcohol reset coach?
1: So an alcohol reset coach is somebody that helps people change their relationship with alcohol. Um, there's a lot of people that are trapped in a cycle of addiction and uh, they're drinking full of regret and then drinking again and they're trapped. And a reset coach helps them reset and either move forward into sobriety or to choose moderation. Where do you
0: get your experience in uh, this field?
1: So my background is that um, I got stuck in that very um, easy track to get stuck in myself in that cycle. I'm an ordinary Australian mum and I found myself drinking too much. I had two small children at home and I found that I was just drinking more and more and it was getting to the point where I couldn't work out what was wrong with me. I felt like I was broken and I talked to my friends. I kind of carefully sounded out my friends and said, how do you stop after just one drink if you decide you want to cut back? And all of my friends just said, oh, I'll just, you know, put the bottle back in the fridge and don't drink anymore. And I was thinking, gosh, there must be something wrong with me because I can't seem to stop after one drink. I I want a second one and then a third. And then every night I was drinking myself almost to blackout point. I was drinking to get drunk um, and I couldn't work out why I didn't have anything awful going on in my life, but I couldn't seem to break out of this cycle And I had a very respectable job as a librarian in the kids' school and I worked hard, but I was just covered in shame. I was worried every day that I was driving the kids to school and myself to work. And I was, maybe I was still over the limit. I was worried that I smelled of alcohol each day. I'd wake up each morning with a pounding head thinking, done it again. I promised myself I wouldn't drink and now I've done it. So I was, I was really stuck and this was um, a few years ago. I was living quite a remote part of Australia called the Sundays and there wasn't anything like AA there. Um, There's no rehab options, nothing like that. The online side of things wasn't really there as well. So I worked out how to do it myself and it took quite a bit of trial and error, but eventually I got there. I thought life being sober would be really dull and gray and small. And I prided myself on having a personality and being a fun person. And I was really scared of not drinking, but I actually found to my surprise, it was the complete opposite. And I found that when I stopped drinking, far from getting smaller and darker and um, less fun my life just exploded into this colorful fun exciting free life that I just didn't recognize and it was it was it delivered everything that alcohol promise sobriety delivered as they say so I felt really fantastic about that and as the days went on and I got stronger and stronger in my sobriety I felt fantastic but I still kept hiding the fact that I had had a problem with drinking and it was only last year that I actually outed myself on social media i I thought, I'm still not telling people the truth about what's happened to me here. So I posted about it. I said, look, I had got stuck. This is what was going on. I only had to stop when I found myself hiding the bottles from Matt, my husband. And I hit post on Facebook. And then I almost wanted to vomit from shame and fear and disgust. It was such an amazing visceral feeling, Ray. I actually really wanted to throw up and I wanted to run away and hide. And I actually ran into a different room and I kind of crouched. It was the weirdest thing. I was so scared of being judged. But I actually had this fabulous experience where so many people came back with lovely messages of support. But I also was inundated with messages, private messages from people saying, oh my god, that's me. Were you peeking in through my windows? I am so stuck. How did you do it? I can't talk to anyone about it. I thought it was just me. Um, so I started helping those people. And yeah, and now that's what I do a lot. And I advocate for, for gray area drinkers and people who are stuck in the drink regret drink cycle.
0: Now, you just touched on a phrase here that I wanted to find out more about myself. And that's gray area drinkers. That is a term that quite honestly, I've never heard of before. Uh, what exactly is that?
1: So a grey area drinker is someone who's psychologically addicted rather than physically addicted to alcohol. So I identify as a grey area drinker because I could stop drinking if I had to. I stopped fairly easily for nine months, both times when I was pregnant. If I couldn't drink of an evening, if we were going out, that would be fine. I didn't have any physical symptoms, but I was cranky. I really wanted a drink and I was annoyed that I wasn't, I wasn't able to get to my my lovely alcohol Mm -hmm. and the people I help were in the same position. So alcohol is incredibly dangerous it addiction is a massive subject and I consider myself a contributor and a coach rather than an expert in the whole field Um, but you can die from alcohol withdrawals so it's the only drug as far as I know where you can die from withdrawals so if you are thinking about stopping if you don't um, have any physical symptoms then it's there are ways you can get free but if you do get the shakes and other signs of addiction when you when you're not drinking, then it's really important to make sure you get medical help when you're stopping. So yeah, a a gray area drinker is someone who has a psychological addiction rather than a physical addiction.
0: I like that because there's a lot of folks that don't realize that there is a difference. They hear one umbrella term of alcoholism and they think that it's all of it together and uh, I mean I didn't know that there was really a difference between the two and obviously different treatments as a result so that makes perfect sense. That's
1: something I'm actually really passionate about is Mm -hmm. opening up the dialogue around that spectrum because our society is massively alcohol-centric and Hollywood has got a lot to answer for. We see alcoholics as people rolling in the gutter with brown paper bags Mm. and then there's normal drinkers and we just see there's two types of people and you're only allowed to be one or the other. You're not allowed to be anywhere in the middle. And the truth is that alcohol is an addictive substance. And if you drink regularly enough, you will be somewhere on that spectrum. But because we don't talk about it, all the women I see think they're broken and there's something wrong with them. And they're so ashamed because they can't bear to think of themselves as this alcoholic with a brown paper bag waking up in hospital, losing days, because that isn't the case for them. But they're also not a normal drinker because they can't just have a glass of wine in the evening and put it in the fridge and forget about it. They want another one and then another one. So there's this whole middle ground that we just don't talk about as a society. And we have to. It's really important that, that we talk about it so that we can see, let people see there's, there's, there's a whole spectrum there and they're not broken. It's not their fault if they're on that spectrum. There's something that they can do about it.
0: That, uh, that does come to my next question pretty handily, and that is is alcoholism, actually picking up the, that bottle and sticking with it, is it more of a choice than uh, an addiction? and uh, Or is it just something where somebody just doesn't have enough faith in themselves to stop? Is it some kind of moral failing?
1: That's a really good question, and I think a lot of people see it as a moral failing, and they're bewildered by, if you're addicted, people who aren't addicted are bewildered by the fact you can't just stop. So my husband's a great case. He can drink one or two beers in the evening and then stop. And when I said I was going to give up drinking completely, he was kind of perplexed. He said, Why well, just cut back if you're worried about it. And I said, I can't, I can't, I can't cut back. And we do forget that alcohol is an addictive substance and you do get addicted. It's certainly not a choice. And that's one thing that we, um, that we really need to unpack as a society. The alcohol company is incredibly... Clever, they've thrown so much money and marketing at this. And I think there's a lot of parallels between big alcohol and big tobacco as well. Alcohol companies push the line that it's all about personal responsibility and it's up to us as individuals to choose to only have one or two drinks. But the thing is, once you're addicted, you don't have that choice, has been removed. And certainly for grey area drinkers, there's a whole perfect storm of things going on. There's the alcohol addiction because it is a toxic substance and it is addictive. There's also the neurobiology of it. Our brains change shape when we're drinking regularly and that that comes into play as well. There's whole areas that, gray area drinkers are often, there's a lot of um, commonalities that I see where often we have compulsive behaviors um, in that we throw ourselves into things, whether it's work or drinking or eating or our hobbies. We're often very compulsive people. There's often perfectionism there. It ties in with a lot of what society expects of us as women. Um, I I can't talk about from the male point of view because I help the women. Um, But society expects us to be the best wife and the best mum and great at work. And we're supposed to juggle all the balls and serve everybody and do it all, which generally means having it all. And we just end up with ourselves at the bottom of the pile over and over and over again. And it's becoming more recognised now that that is a big issue. Um, And even Michelle Obama said... Uh, We have to do a better job of putting ourselves on the top of our to-do list. We look after everybody else and we end up with the dregs. So we grab a drink quite often, grey area drinkers, as a shortcut to that feel-good factor that we're looking for in our brains. So we've got all these things going on, but the main point to get across is that addiction isn't a a choice. If you drink regularly enough, you will be somewhere on the addiction scale
0: okay now uh, you talked a little bit about the fact that you kind of specialize in working with women do you know of any differences in particular between men and women when it comes to alcohol addiction
1: i do know that with women a lot of it comes down to what i was talking about just then that women have these great expectations put upon them mm-hmm. that we don't look after ourselves well there's a lovely phrase in australia about giving ourselves a burnt chop women often know if there's if you're serving dinner and there's one burnt chop you'll give it to yourself so you you make sure everybody else is taken care of everyone else is looked after and then we take care of ourselves and the way that our our brains work is we've got this part of our brain called the limbic system which is our ancient survival brain it's like our caveman brain and it's only got three functions and they are to um, move away from pain move towards pleasure and to do both those things, expending as little energy as possible. So when we've been drinking regularly enough, our brains know that if we feel any kind of pain, any kind of stress or worry or anxiety, it says quickly move away from that. And I know that you have used alcohol to do that. So you can shortcut that and you can move away from pain and towards pleasure by using alcohol. So that's what's going on with our brains there. And we, we create these neural circuits and they become hardwired and we actually change how our brains work So that we just use that shortcut the whole time as women, when we're feeling low, when we're really low on serotonin and oxytocin and all these hormones that alcohol actually interferes with, then we know that we're going to get dopamine from alcohol, a little hit of dopamine. So we reach for the bottle again. So I know for women, that's what's going on there. And we have to boost up all kinds of areas of our lives in order to escape from the alcohol trap.
0: Excellent. Now, uh, what tend to be some of the things that uh, prevent somebody from uh, from a gray area drinker from overcoming uh, that addiction? What are some of those roadblocks, some impediments that keep that from uh, being, uh, being accomplished?
1: Okay, well, one of the really big ones is shame and stigma. That keeps so many people trapped. So a lot of the women that I see are so um, happy and grateful to be seen and validated. That's enormous because... We think that we're broken. So we we play very, very small. And when we're drinking a lot, alcohol makes your life even smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's so imperceptible. It's like the boiling frog analogy. You're just, you know, you're in this pot of warm water and it gets hotter and hotter. And you don't realize how small and horrible your life is becoming as alcohol gets its grip further and further into you. And you don't talk about it because it's so shameful. And that's why I think we have to have this dialogue about what goes on with drinking. If you drink regularly enough, you will become. You will get somewhere on that um, spectrum of addiction. So that's the biggest one that stops women escaping from the trap is shame. That's massive. And then also for a lot of women, they don't really know where to turn. Um, AA wasn't available to me, and it was something I was a little bit unsure of because I didn't want to be counting the days. I didn't want to feel like I was missing out, basically. And um, AA works brilliantly for a lot of people, but I wanted to be able to look forward, not in the rear view mirror, not saying I'm so many days sober. I wanted to just let it go and move forward. And now I've done that. I've been years without drinking. I don't even think about it anymore. Um, I do have the occasional drink. I don't like it very much. Um, I don't like the feeling it has on me and I'd rather not drink. So it, I think availability of support is such a big one for women. Connection is massive for so many great area drinkers. And it's something we're really missing. So finding some kind of support group and there are, um, there are things available online now where you can get support. That's a really big one for women to, to find help. But yeah, the main one is the shame and the stigma and feeling like there's something wrong with us.
0: Now, how much does your environment and your friends kind of play into that? I know that when you're out on the town, there's maybe just a hint of peer pressure. Uh, you got somebody saying, why don't you have a drink with me? How much does that play into it? And is it something that you have to change your environment and your friends to really become successful?
1: That's a really good question. We do suggest to start with that people avoid situations where it's going to be really tough and high pressure. One of the areas we talk about a lot in our course is about boundaries and we do struggle with boundaries quite often. The women that I talk to do, we do feel like we have to please other people. There's a lot of people pleasing going on. So when you get really clear on your boundaries and what's that you have to put yourself first, it actually becomes very easy to say, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to drink um, whatever your, your drink is. So it's really, I don't think you do need to change your environment too much, but you do need to have prepared what you're going to do when you go out. So we we talk about simple visualization exercises you can do where you imagine what drink you're going to have and make it something fun and treaty, not something like tap water out of a plastic cup. You need to have something to look forward to, something to drink, and you need to have set your boundaries and decided that you're really committed to yourself, really show up for yourself, right, tonight I'm not going to drink. You can't leave it open to kind of discussion because you will just fold, it's too easy. There's too much pressure. And you also just need to have something to shut down the people that are trying to persuade you to drink. So we suggest you can either say, I'm just, you know, I'm on a challenge or I'm doing a reset for 21 days or I'm training for a half marathon or, you know, a 5K or whatever it is. Whatever your reason is, just have something to hand and get ready to shut people down. And we find if you have those three things, if you've chosen what drink you're going to have, you've decided what you're going to say and you've committed that that night you're not going to drink, you can easily go out and have fun and it's interesting that we, our beliefs are you can't have fun without drinking. We, we're so conditioned to think that nights aren't fun without having a drink. But I've had the best nights ever sober. And you feel so much more connected because you're not numbing out. You, you have, you know, the big belly laughs and the best fun. And you're still showing up with your friends and having a great time. You don't need any kind of anything else to add to that. Alcohol isn't a magic elixir that we think it is. It's just this sort of nasty toxin. And... It's actually, I find I enjoy a lot more the nights out now without drinking with my friends. And I find that the nights that are a little bit dull, like going out for a work stew that I would have drank for, they're still just very dull works do's. and you kind of get through it and then you go home. It isn't this magical potion that we say it is. So it's, it's very, I think it is very doable. You don't have to change your friends or your circles. You do have to be aware of the, um, the trip wires and what you need to get straight in your head before you go out.
0: Now, a lot of folks, when they think about the changes that they might have to make, they automatically say, I'm not strong enough. I, I don't think I could commit to taking care of something like, I don't, I don't think I could do this in a 21-day period. I'm just too much into drinking because of my whatever their security blanket reason winds up being. Is it really a difficult process to separate yourself from alcohol over that shorter period of time for like three weeks?
1: Yeah, well, that's a really interesting question. We do find that when people, we have done longer courses and we found people have struggled with that because it seems too hard, too uh, unachievable. So we do it for 21 days and we've had great success. I think partly because the women that um, enrol for the course are really committed and that's a great big part of it. When you, It's a huge step to actually put your hand up and say, I think I want to explore my relationship with alcohol. And we often find just saying that is such a massive step that, that gives the the people that we see enormous strength and the fact they're showing up for themselves really helps them carry on through and we don't start off the course saying you have to stop drinking or you have to be sober for the rest of your life we just explain we unpack an awful lot of things about around drinking and about how it affects us and the best way to deal with certain things and our triggers and we we cover an awful lot of topics and as we go through we people think about if they want to um, stay sober moving forward or aim for moderation after the course. And moderation, a lot of people see as the holy grail. A lot of gray area drinkers think that's the the ideal. And I did certainly when I was trying to stop. But moderation is actually incredibly hard because it means you're constantly thinking about alcohol all the time. You're thinking, I'll only drink at weekends or when friends are with me, or I won't drink alone in the house, or I'll only have one drink and then put it away. You've just got this constant low level buzz going on. You're, You're obsessing about drinking by trying to moderate. When, if you, when you stop, the further away you get from that last drink, if you've really shone a light on all your beliefs and dismantled those and really unpacked whether they um, hold up, and they usually don't, then you're actually free. And the further you get away from that last drink, the more your life opens up and the less you want to drink because you can see so clearly the benefits of not drinking So it definitely depends on the individual, but I think taking the first step is just massive. And it doesn't mean it's linear either. A lot of people have a lot of day ones, but it's just that persistence, picking yourself up and keep going and keep trying. And that's what's important.
0: You know, you said something that kind of differentiates from the known alcoholic anonymous uh, tenant of, I think the first step of AA is you have to admit that you have a problem. Whereas you're saying, You have to be interested in exploring whether or not you have a problem. I think that's a huge difference that a lot of people aren't aware of that that is a possibility. They think it's an all or nothing, whereas you're offering an option to come talk with me and learn more about what you're doing and see if it's a problem for you. I think there's a lot of folks that just don't maybe realize that it is a problem for them. But if they have the option to explore it because "Eh, maybe they have that thought that it's possible. I think that's a that's a huge difference that. It uh, does make it a little bit more palatable to explore.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think anything that makes it more accessible and less frightening has got to be a good thing because it is so huge and so forbidden and so scary there a lot of us are in denial. I spent months Googling, am I an alcoholic and doing all these online tests and trying to work it all out. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter really what you call it, whether it's alcoholic or gray area drinker or addiction, or there's all these semantics around the labels we put on things. If you're worried about your drinking, then you want to explore changing it. And I think that's, that's one of the powerful things about the way that we approach this is, as you say, it makes it much more accessible. You don't have to you know, stand up and declare yourself um, an addict straight away. And also what we like about this way of doing things, which as I say, AA is brilliant in loads of ways, but we struggle a bit with giving away your power to a a higher power, whatever that is, because I really feel like we need all our power ourselves and we can call on support, but we we have the power in ourselves quite often to turn things around. If we step into that power and use all the support we can get, we can often move forward and stay in control and, and feel like we're getting stronger all the time. Whereas alcohol does make us feel like we're disenfranchised, disempowered, we're disassociated from ourselves. So it's really important, I think, that we hold on to all the power we've got as well.
0: Can you, uh, I know you can't probably go into names or people specifically, uh, can you think of a really good success story that, uh, that you've been a part of, just watching somebody blossom from, I think I have a problem, to I'm doing wonderful?
1: Yes. Yeah. So um, a lady who's just graduated recently, actually, um, I won't give away her name or too much details. We, she was actually down in, um, in New South, sorry, in Victoria in Australia. And we've had lockdown there, quite severe lockdown for months and months. And that's really affected a lot of people. We've had a lot of clients sign up because they're missing that connection and they're drinking more. And she was one of those people. And she was actually um, a female entrepreneur who was in a, she was a lifestyle coach And helped other women, and I won't go into the details of what it was she helped them with, but she was very much in touch with all aspects of her life and living an authentic life and helping other women do the same. But she found that she was drinking more and more and she felt really out of alignment with what with her clients. She felt like a fraud basically. She felt like she felt wrong showing up and saying this is the way forward when she knew that she was finding work quite stressful, running her own business, and she'd open the wine in the evening and probably, you know, have drank. drink more than she wanted to and the next day she'd wake up and feel a bit rubbish so we took her through the course and for her the big light bulb moment was the connection side of things when we got to that part of the course and it was beautiful watching the whole development as she stepped through the course and she found it quite hard for the first week as a lot of people do and you actually you actually feel a bit awful for the first week which is kind of annoying because it's all the detox symptoms of all you know if you stop sugar or wheat it's the same mm. you feel headachey and a bit fluey and lethargic and you think this is so unfair i should be feeling better and i'm actually feeling worse but after a few days all those physical symptoms leave alcohol physically has left your body between four and seven in four to seven days and so she was feeling in week two she was starting to feel really good and then in week three she was really just watching her open up and re-establish connections with the people around her and she was sleeping better, which affects your whole life when you get proper REM sleep, which you don't when you're drinking a lot. A lot of grey area drinkers wake up at three o'clock every single morning without fail, busting to go to the loo and with a mouth feeling horrible, and a thumping head and just filled with self-loathing and shame and regret and lying there thinking, why did I do it? I promised myself I wouldn't do it again. And I did, and you just feel so awful. So the fact she wasn't having that, I could just see her blossom and transform and everything about her changed. Her skin was clearer, her eyes were brighter. She had more confidence with her clients. She was connecting with her family again. Um, I could really see her transform. And she was just so delighted at the end of the 21 days to, be, to, to feel that like she took back control of her own life. And that was the most exciting thing that as women, we're often told that we need other people to fill in gaps or to do things for us and to find it's actually all within you and you have that power. And to be given a space where you can explore that and step into that power is is transformational. I love it. I love what I do. It's amazing.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, tell us more about where folks can find out about your programs and uh, and reach out to you.
1: Okay. So I'm on um, social media as Alcohol Reset Coach. And my website is Annabelle Stewart dot com au and we run a 21 day course which is online and it starts every week on the monday so if you're feeling fired up you can just jump in and we do a kind of a, a get ready day on the sunday and then day one is the monday and we're doing a december reset at the moment where some people are a bit worried about the silly season about christmas so we're helping some people in there and yeah it's a fabulous online course with daily videos and instructions in a private classroom and worksheets and we have Weekly catch ups as well for accountability and questions and answers and yeah, it's a lovely group of women and a private um, Facebook support group as well that goes with it.
0: Excellent. Yeah, and this time of year when uh, a seasonal depression hits, it's uh, probably a very good idea for anybody that has those concerns. And they want to learn if uh, if they have if they should be more concerned. Now is a great time to reach out. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I remember as a mum wrapping Christmas stockings, my kids and just drinking so much i didn't actually remember whose stockings there's one christmas morning i woke up and i was so hungover, and i've got the kids swapping stockings swapped over as well and they all had <laughs> the wrong presents and my head felt terrible and i felt like a failure as a mum. it's there's a lot of pressure at christmas there's a lot of pressure we put on ourselves and yeah just be able to have a hangover free few days or a few weeks around this time of year is fabulous
0: Wonderful. Well, Annabelle, thank you so much for taking some time with us today, uh, teaching folks like myself a little bit more about addiction with alcohol and uh, the differences between them and uh, different approaches that can be taken. So thank you so much. And I hope a lot of folks learn from, uh, from what you've been able to share today.
1: Thank you, Ray. It's been wonderful being on and lovely talking to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And now a challenge to our listeners. If uh, you do also have a subject that you're passionate about, like Annabelle here, and you can speak with some authority on it, you're not afraid to tackle some of these tough questions, then I want to talk to you here on Unsensitive. Reach out through the Fearscape Media Network or reach out to me directly at rayrobwrites at gmail.com. Let me know what your topic is and maybe I'll be talking with you next time. With a special thanks, first of all, to Ben Sounds for the use of Happy Rock at the beginning and the end of the program. And of course, the fine folks at Fearscape for giving me this venue. And thank you so much for listening to Unsensitive. We'll talk again soon. And until then, keep your mind open. Mm